welcome to Exploring Filipino Kitchens. I'm your host, Nastasha Ali. This episode is the first of a couple from my trip to the Western Visayas region of the Philippines. Today, we're in the provinces of Iloilo and Antique. Let's get to it. amazes me how as soon as I get back to the Philippines, I just slip back into talking the exact same way I did when I was 19. It was a sunny morning in August, and I had just gotten off a plane, barely slept for 24 hours, and I'm starting my Western Visayas food trip with some solid quality friend time. Meet Anton, who picked me up at the airport and drove us straight to Iloilo's La Paz public market because I was pretty insistent on what I wanted to eat. I wanted the real deal La Paz Bachoy. Iloilo's famous noodle soup filled to the brim with all sorts of porky, delicious things like chicharron and liver and a healthy dollop of offal, like intestines and kidneys, my favorite. So, ito yung sabaho. Magarliki, nalalasahan mo yung chicharon. And yung style. So Anton and I start talking about why netongs is his favorite. Because their soup is more savory and not as sweet as like dekos, which is just around the corner. Mm-hmm. Ba't kaya siya matamis? Anton, by the way, worked as a chef in Manila, in Dubai, and in the Maldives after culinary school. So he kind of knows what he's talking about. Oh my god, he tells me to dip this hefty rice cake into a bowl of soup. And while I've eaten with this guy a bunch of times, I mean, we grew up along the same main street, went to kindergarten, grade school, high school, and college together. This one was different. I know it sounds strange, but taking this little space of mine for the podcast, far from perfect as it is, really just reminds me of why I like podcasting in the first place. I might not be a mukbang star, that thing where people watch other people eat on the internet, but I guess it's kind of similar. This little space is where I can do things like share a very regular conversation with a friend with the slurping and the joking and taglish and all. I mean, this is how I regularly talk, when I'm in the Philippines anyway. And it's just as real as when I talk into a microphone in my apartment in Toronto, like I am right now, because they're really just two sides to the same version of me. I think that one thing that'll still take me a while to get is how changing myself to fit into Canadian society 
affected me and shaped me and continues to challenge my understanding of identity. For a while, shortly after we got here, I was very ashamed of talking in Taglish, the language I grew up with and really felt the most myself in. I mean, English is just as natural, don't get me wrong, but it's just another side of the same coin. English is like formal, professional, or writerly tash, and Taglish is everyday tash. Like I said, a bowl of soup is never just about the food. Next, we try Pancit Molo. Molo is a district just beyond the boundary of Iloilo City, home to a wonton soup called Pancit Molo. Now, pancit, in this case, refers to the wonton wrapper. These days, it's made with wheat flour and um, are basically dumplings filled with a ground pork or chicken filling. Sometimes they're shrimp, served in a bowl with delicious clear broth, again, made from either pork or chicken bones. Most places that serve it offer toppings like chopped green onions and fried garlic. So Anton and I make our way first to Mola Church, built in 1831, this beautiful cathedral-looking structure in the middle of the plaza with lots of people around, vendors selling ice cream on the sidewalk, and kids playing in the playground. The church itself is made of corals and stone, set with egg whites mixed with sand. Naturally, the egg yolks, left over from the building process, had to go somewhere. And in the neighboring town of Haro, Iloilo, Bakeries like the famous Biscocha House, which we also visited, have long churned out biscuits and pastries that make full use of those egg yolks. Back to Molo. Steps from the church, we found this place called Panaderia de Molo, another one that was on my list. In my continued attempt to be a little like Drew Aureliano, who is the host of this travel show, super popular in the Philippines, you're going to hear a bit more Taglish here. Okay, so we are in Panaderia de Molo, which is around the corner from Molo Church and Molo Mansion. Kumakain uh, na kami ngayon ng Pancit Molo. Interestingly, Molo is... Kaya uh, sa Pancit Molo dahil ito yung original Parian or Chinese district ng Iloilo uh, area. Ang sarap nung sabaw. Ang sabaw niya ay ba siya dun sa Lapas Bachelor, obviously. Mas clear. Parang hindi ko alam kung bakit siya ano, clear. Parang hindi naman siya malasang may herbs o ano. Ano siya? Basically bones. Clear broth. Medyo bones lang. Ang garang sarap. Pero yung texture niya, iba yun, no? Medyo may, may kagat. Hmm. 
Hindi lang parang hindi siya hindi siya binoil lang. Hmm. Pero mas makapait siya compared sa normal rice flour. Hmm. Yung wrapper. Saka yun, parang may texture siya na makikita. So what I basically said was, the soup tasted much clearer than the bachoy we ate earlier. The broth itself was still pretty Swedish. You could taste the difference between the pork and the chicken stuffed dumplings. And the pancit itself, by that I mean the dough that the wonton wrapper is made of, it's got a little bit of a bite to it. As the shopkeeper listened into our conversation, she explained it's because they actually fry the raw wontons first before freezing them. And from there, they get shipped to places like Manila and Cebu, or they're sold on site and simply dropped into the soup when people order them and enjoy a bowl of the original Panaderia de Molo in the town of Molo. I love how these dumplings look. They're blistered from hot oil, chewy and hefty on their own, and definitely a meal in itself. From Iloilo, I take off for the province of Antique. On board a bus that cost me about $2 for a one-way fare. It took me a little over four hours to get to the town of Tobias Fournier on the southwest tip of Panay Island. A previous mayor changed the town's name from its original name, Dao, though everyone still calls it that, including the buses and jeepneys. And I mean, to me, that's really what makes a place that place. Because changing something's name doesn't change its character or its history. <laughs> On the bus, the driver was like a madman. And just a bit of a travel story. That ride kind of felt like, I guess what you'd think of when you say, hold on for dear life. Like, if I was a purely Western traveler who had never been to Asia, I would have been like scared out of my wits. <laughs> Just speeding through these hairpin turns along the side of a cliff, like with the ocean literally meters from the road. On the flip side, I happen to love this shit, and really, in a weird way, I know that's just how they do it, and tons of drivers have done this plenty times before. That doesn't excuse dangerous driving, but I guess just sets the scene for what to expect if you travel like a local in certain parts of the Philippines. I was headed to Alpas. Alpas is a restaurant and guest house in this little corner of Antique. A province I honestly didn't know much about, other than it was named for the black ants in Tagalog called Antique. Hamtik, I later learned, in the local dialect called Kinaraya. Alpas is run by Ken Kazanyas and Kimberly Eng, a couple who met in San Francisco, California. Ken has worked in kitchens since he was 17 and worked his way up to being executive chef in restaurants in places like Beverly Hills, Hollywood, Los Angeles, and Hong Kong. There, he and Kim lived for a year in 2016. Shortly after that, admittedly, they kind of burned out from a very fast-paced life where living became a second distant to working, and they decided to move to Ken's parents' hometown in Dao. I found myself attracted to the spirit behind Alpas almost instantly. 
when I first came across them online on Instagram. Ken and Kim's belief in living sustainably with zero waste when possible to revive local culinary traditions and genuinely work with people, local people, to bring about a deeper understanding of the reality of our food systems, as broken as it is and in strong need of repair, especially in places like these in the Philippines. I don't know, I guess it just resonated so well, and I knew that I had to visit soon, and I knew I had to make it a, a stop in my Western Visayas visit. Alpas is along the main highway that follows the coastline of Antique. The property is right by the beach, and I highly recommend staying overnight at the guest house. Beyond a very relaxing stay, you will be treated to a fantastic set of meals. From dinner to breakfast and lunch the next day, made with ingredients sourced from the garden on site or the local market. I got off the bus on this rainy day from the driver who was a madman and walked up to this tall bamboo structure with slanted roofs that looked impermeable to the unpredictable weather. Kim came out to greet me with an umbrella. I checked in at the desk and then Kim led me out back towards my home for the night. This rustic hut steps from the beach with banana and coconut trees all around. I settled in had a cigarette, then walked back up to the restaurant for a dinner that I had been looking forward to for months. Here's Kim. What was it, sorry? So, um, salad of kulitis and kamote leaves with cucumber, radish, tomato, onion, a chilled spicy beef stomach. Um, third dish is a roasted kamote with a house-made mayo. Fourth is a grilled eggplant with fried garlic and peanuts. And then the last is a grilled sulig with fermented cabbage. Dessert will be suman with coconut cream, candied tisa, and banana. What's sulig? Sulig is a fish. A kind of fish? Okay. And tisa? Tisa is a starchy fruit. It, okay. It resembles a, like, cross between a mango and a kamote, but when you taste it, it's oh. like an already boiled sweet kamote. I think I've it's ever had that before. Amazing. Yeah. It looks like, I don't know if we have the whole version anymore. I think we've already processed it, but it looks like, I didn't delete it already. It looks like this. Oh, wow. The crack almost looks supposed to be there. Almost looks like um, like a cacao fruit, like mm -hmm. the whole thing. And then when and then like the it's hard, it looks shell. it's like powdery. It's when you taste it, it's like a, an already cooked kamote, but it's super sweet. It's That's so cool, crazy. Yeah, it's really crazy. And it came about because we were watching a YouTube video of No Mark Weens, the travel blogger. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, so he was going to Peru and he went to the, the market there mm -hmm. and he picked up this fruit and we've always been nagging the girls saying, our staff asking if they have neighbors or family members that grow these things yep. that are literally just falling and rotting on the ground to let us know we'll, we'll ask you to harvest it or someone to harvest it, mm -hmm. collect it and we'll pay per kilo at a reasonable price. 
and they didn't mention this until they saw him pick it up at the Peru market and they were like, oh, oh yeah, that's here. That's <laughs> and then we asked, well, why haven't any, has, why hasn't anyone used it? And he said, it's like, it's so high now, so all the fruits fall to the ground. Oh, like the tree it. itself is, is pretty high. Yeah. Okay. okay. So the fruits fall to the ground and only the goats eat it. <laughs> That's Sweet. Good. Okay, so I'll get to try candy dessert. Yeah. Today then. It's really, cool. really interesting. Yeah. The smell of that lemongrass is like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want another drink? We also have cocktails. We have a calamansi tanduai and a butterfly pea with gin cocktail or buko banana shake. I did see the uh, the butterfly. Is that a natural pea? Like a type it's, of pea? Um, no, it's a flower. But they call okay. it, there's the blue ternate flower, otherwise known as the butterfly pea flower. Okay. But it's this really beautiful, like, yeah. violet, vibrant violet. Flower. I already had my eye on that earlier, so yes. <laughs> I'll join you on that one. Everything on the table in front of me was served on a broad leaf that lined one of three types of tableware. Bowls that were made from dried coconut shells, hollowed out tubes of bamboo, and plates that were made of woven rattan. So my observations on everything so far, the grilled sulig is so delicious. Um, the texture of the fish itself is a little bit milky, very light in the fish flavor. Pairs so well with the fermented cabbage, like sauerkraut style, no vinegar at all, but for some reason, It's just so soft and so tasty. I don't know why. Um, next up, we have the beef stomach that has quite a bit of a kick to it. It's got quite a bit of bird's eye chili. Um, I'm guessing some radishes. Um, also with quite a bit of acid. Very good. Um, then the salad. The salad is one of my favorite things. The leaves of the sweet potato are very tender. Um, kind of looks like sealy leaves, much smaller than what I would typically associate as sweet potato leaves. It's got cucumbers, tomatoes, Flower is the, the blue ternate. Blue ternate flower. Butterfly pea. Butterfly pea. I'm just recording my like tasting notes <laughs> on everything. Mm -hmm. um, there's also the um, fingerling kamate and potatoes with the aioli. Aioli is very good. Nice balance um, of the acidity and quite a bit of garlic. Um, the Eggplants, grilled eggplants, are also very soft. There is um, mm, a lot of fried garlic on top of that. Very tasty. The rice is something they call purple rice. It's a mix of red rice and SRI rice. Just digging into the dessert now, the tisap, which is the 
or fruit. I'm trying to figure out like what that like tastes like. It does taste like sweet potato-y. Yeah, you're getting a hybrid of flavors because there's muscovado sugar added to that. Mm, and it looks okay. like some toasted coconut flakes also. And then there's bananas, mm -hmm. the suman at the bottom. So just to run through that again, I had a salad of amaranth or colitis and sweet potato or camote leaves with cucumber, sliced radishes, tomatoes, and onions. I had a starter of chilled spicy beef stomach. Man, that was so good. There was some roasted camote with house-made aioli and grilled eggplant with fried garlic and peanuts. There was this crisp-skinned, deliciously charred whole sulig, a silver-skinned fish found largely in Southeast Asia up to Japan. And I had a drink that was made with gin and garnished with blue ternate leaves, also known as butterfly peas. And for dessert, there was suman, a rice cake, with coconut cream, candied tisa, and bananas. Under this cavernous structure made entirely of bamboo, built by people from town with this wood-fed hearth that anchors and powers the kitchen. I was just beyond myself. By this time, the power went out and I could hear the rain start to trickle just a little bit beyond the doors. There were three little tea candles and cut-off bamboo ends in front of me. I just had a fantastic meal, and I was feeling pretty great. I was feeling happy and pretty content. The next day, I woke up pretty early to the skies that barely cleared up, and watched a couple of fishing boats, the motorized bunkas that you see everywhere in the Philippines, offload their catch for the day. There wasn't too much of it. For breakfast, I had stir-fried rice and vegetables with a cup of coffee. We're going to head off to the market before my cooking lesson, and so Ken called a tricycle, and we hopped in and then made our way to the market in the main town. It wasn't a very busy one, given there aren't that many people here, but everyone knew him and said hello in that way that I miss so much about the Philippines. We walked around with baskets called bayong to collect fish, more sulig since it was in season, a variety of vegetables, and then we stopped by the dry goods shop to stock upon beer, also an essential. This is my kind of morning. I couldn't help but feel, I guess unsurprisingly, at home. While we were on our way back, sitting in the tricycle as it sped past rice paddies and the jagged coastline that was just by the side of the road. You know I love a good landscape, and the mountains and the sea was just stuff that made me feel like I was exactly at the right place at the right time. 
Alpas, by the way, means to break free. As in, nakaalpas ka, meaning you've broken free from your regular routine or your daily life. And their philosophy here is really kind of that in a nutshell. It's breaking free from tradition and breaking free from your view of things that can sometimes be kept in a box. We got back, and it was time to get cooking. I mean, I did come for a cooking class, after all. Here's Ken. We'll go over the ingredients really quick. We have the kamote leaves that you saw at the market, kangkung also, which you saw at the market. These will be for the salad. Mm -hmm. The sweet pepper, eggplant, cucumber, wing beans, okra, calamansi, sili, onion, ginger, garlic, and tomato. And the, the goal is to have minimal wastage. Mm -hmm. Meaning, if we're gonna use just the leaf for the salad, then we can take the tender stems, we can either add it, incorporate it into the salsa, or we can cook it along with the stuffing, okay. right? So you kind of want to, I think doing minimal wastage allows you to do things that you wouldn't normally think about doing. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of have to be resourceful and creative mm -hmm. because I think a lot of waste comes from laziness, yeah. right? Yeah, it's just, you're not exercising your brain. You're just like, whatever, easy, throw it away, you know, done with it. But then the Kong Kong stems especially, like I remember like my Lala used to just do adobong Kong Kong and that used to be one of my favorite parts actually. Because right. like the, the, crunch. the sauce and would yeah. go into it, but then it still has that crunch. Yeah, exactly. So I mean After we lay out the morning's haul on the table, I asked Ken to give us a rundown of what's happening. Make a salad with yeah, really nice salad, not just focused on leafy greens but more of vegetables. Okay. So, for example, like wing beans, okra, eggplant, bell pepper, cucumber. So, it's gonna be like a really filling salad, not just um, leaves. Um, and then I'm thinking of making a stuffing for the fish. And also some sort of like salsa for the fish. Uh, all in all, a nice hearty meal, but it shouldn't feel heavy because everything is mainly plant-based. And yeah, the fish we have is sulik. But once you're ready, apron, towel, and then we'll get started. Can I just say that I gotta give some big love here. All morning, Ken's got this wicked playlist going. Right now we got Lil Troy's Wanna Be a Baller, a sweet 90s throwback with chickens crowing in the yard. It's honestly the best. I'm pretty certain there's nowhere else on the internet you're gonna hear this particular juxtaposition of cultures. Like old school hip hop in the Philippine countryside with this guy who was born in Saudi and me, a Canadian transplant, 
learning how to make the most of the foods that grew around. So what's the trick with preparing solig? I ask. Um, firm up the flesh because it's a very soft flesh fish um, so that it could hold or withstand like really nice roasting without okay. falling apart. Um, it's only been about an hour or so, but it's just very light. Uh, we're gonna let it go a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> After we finish our vegetable prep, then we'll we'll wash this and then we'll we'll cut open the cavity so that there's more room for the stuffing. Do you normally roast it in like banana leaves or like or like some other kind of leaf and then or directly on? I mean, I think it depends on what you really want, what you want to achieve. I think roasting in a banana leaf is more of uh, steaming slash baking sort of thing. Mm. But what I want is the skin to get charred, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Nice and crisp. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the banana leaf, it does impart a good flavor, but that's not what we're looking for today. I mean, there's really no rules to cooking, you know? It's all really what you have in mind yeah. and then your execution. Well, that's reassuring, and I say that without sarcasm, because a lot of times I kind of find I just hesitate with trying stuff, but I guess how else would you learn? Now that we got the fish sorted out, it's time to turn our eye to the salad, the stuffing, and the salsa. So, I mean, so what I'm thinking is maybe it'll give a nice contrast to the salsa if we just roast this the stems in a pan mm -hmm. you know and then we'll chop it up and add it to the salsa so the salsa is not 100% raw and fresh you'll have a little bit of like um, smokiness mm -hmm. cool right so the eggplant also we will cut and then we will toast the bell pepper I mean basically you can utilize all these things and those in those three elements that meaning the salad the stuffing and the salsa mm -hmm. right all from this basic yeah i mean you can use this in all three you can use this in all three you can use this in all three mm -hmm. however you please but then that's up to you i have a quick question about the the wing beans the cigarette yes that's what this yes. is right how would you nor i i don't have much experience with preparing it like how would you normally like for for the salad that we're gonna make today how would we prepare it i like would just sear it where it's still crunchy okay yeah i mean again we want to we want to create layers not just like blanching everything not just steaming everything not just grilling everything you want a mixture of raw fresh cooked caramelized to you know to chard, what what have you, but mm -hmm. you want you want depth, mm -hmm. and that's that's what we're gonna try to do with these vegetables. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> so I'm a little fixated on winged beans at this point because I see them so often in grocery stores here in Toronto, where lots of people, specifically from South Asia, use winged beans in their everyday cooking. For me, though, I kind of just knew one way to prepare them, in a savory stew for something like pinakbet. But what else is out there? They're never really 100%. I don't really know very much about how to, like, prepare it. I eat it raw. I eat it pickled. I eat it fermented. I eat it grilled. You know, as long as you like a certain ingredient, 
you can prepare it any way you like. Mm -hmm. um, here, it's in soup. Okay. Add some nice body to it, I guess, a little bit. Because does it like get? It doesn't get like. It doesn't have any slime or anything inside. No, right? it has a pretty resilient structure, you know. And some sometime in the past I read about it, it's it has a lot of health benefits. Mm -hmm. It just has a lot of nutrients. Oh, how come they're really tasty even like raw. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like green beans. Taste wise. Um, I feel like the idea of charring these to get like the that smokiness on the outside. Uh huh. So I'll go ahead and get that started. I'll put this on the grill. Mm -hmm. like this you know it's like you're given something that you're not craving but it's it's more of like resourcefulness based mm -hmm. so how mm -hmm. do you approach that um well flavor i guess uh -huh. like like these the the kamote tops after having them in the salad last night like i know 100 percent i want to eat them like raw in a salad because they're like i really like them that way they're really good um, so I definitely want these to go in the salad. Um, maybe the stuffing too a little bit. Wait, okay. You so also have to consider, so the size of the fish that you saw, we can't overstuff it. Right, right, right. You know? So just have a little bit in it. Hmm. Yeah. So I continue to ponder on what to include in my stuffing for the fish. And I guess naturally, this led to another line of thought about rethinking my relationship with vegetables. Yeah, because I think when you say like salad and like most, like ensalada in, like in Tagalog, like where my mind, what I immediately picture is more kind of like a tomato and salted egg salad kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, that's kind of what's interesting for like Filipino people who have grown like like abroad too is that like for the most part like you don't really think of vegetables in that like way because in most like Filipino dishes that you would cook at home like in your sinigangs or in your like um like the vegetables are, are always stewed and so or disguised or disguised yeah so they're not like they're not featured as kind of like the like base ingredient which is you know obviously kind of a little bit of a, a shame and a waste but then maybe that's just because people yeah like don't think of them that way as like something that you can can eat raw or like the definition of a salad is just for most people they would think of the salted egg and uh, the tomato bit but there is a lot but it's I think it's just so bizarre for me being an agricultural uh, nation uh-huh. that vegetables yeah, seem to be <laughs> I mean besides the fact that it's not really part of the diet it's also expensive which doesn't make sense I to know. me like poor countries eat plant-based you know it's it's what's there it's what's available farmers eat what they grow it's it just i don't know there's something really deep deep down that just fucked everybody over in terms of uh their thinking What's the, like, from a historical, like, context, I guess it's also just the idea that, like, if you have meat, then you're, like, that's kind of like a status symbol, but then the sad part is that that has resulted in vegetables kind of being relegated as, like, for lack of a better word, like, a poor man's kind of, like, food. Even though it shouldn't, even though... Historically, but in terms of modern times... Only the rich actually are vegans and vegetarians. Yeah. <laughs> so what's what's happening in this world? Uh-huh. What is happening indeed? The issue of vegetables being expensive is really a global one. Here in North America, lots of people talk about food deserts, and it's honestly pretty eye-opening to just read about it. A food desert is basically someplace, for example, like blocks of apartment buildings in a big city that are far from public transport, far away from grocery stores and other shopping areas that are accessible, places that sell fresh fruit and vegetables. And because, for example, here in Toronto, where winter can last for up to half a year, if you happen to be a single parent with school-age kids who live in one of these places, a food desert... I mean, if you work two jobs and rely on a bus to get you everywhere, it's just all that more difficult to include the things that you know you need to include in your diet because it's so much easier to just buy a frozen dinner at a convenience store. In the Philippines, I guess, I kind of like to think that the parallel to this urban food desert is the fact that in the countryside, like in rural areas where many farming families live, places like Tobias Fournier, where I was, money tends to be spent on highly processed meats like corned beef in a can. But how, exactly, has the Filipino palate come to rely on and prefer 
the intense saltiness of these food items. I mean, this opens up a whole other conversation about the everyday effects of colonialism, but to bring it back to now, that desire to consume foods of the land that are such an intrinsic part of Filipino culture in traditional ways, if there is a way for us to reconnect that or to at least make that a much larger part of our lives than it already is, I think that would be at least a step forward. How do we get back to yearning for and choosing to consume more vegetables because we genuinely like them? Okay, well, I'm going to riff off a little bit on the salad you made last night because I like the, I really like the texture of the cucumber so that it has that like fresh, a different kind of like fresh crunch along with a, with the sweet potato leaves. And I do like the, the shallots um, in there as well to have like the extra bite. Maybe for the salsa, I'll put the, let's do a mix. Like we'll put some of the, some of the raw like stems, chop it up like finely in the salsa. And then I do kind of like, let's try roasting these because I'm, I'm curious. These are, I mean, at a certain point they do get tough. But another thing, what I encourage people to do in their house, if they're not growing like kangkung or kamote leaves, mm-hmm. and if you're not going to eat the stems, all you have to do is stick it in water and then in a couple days they'll start to root, you know, mm. and then you just plant it directly in the ground. And mm. it's very low maintenance. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. But no one does it. <laughs> Stick some in the filling of the fish. I'll put some shallots, some garlic, so a little bit of calamansi juice. Maybe I'll put some of the, um, the chilies. Some of that in the fish. There's the stuffing. Okra. I want to roast. I will put that in the salad. Now the cigarillas. Where would that go? Hmm. Some ginger, put some ginger in the stuffing. I'm trying to think of where I want the cigarillas to go. Well, you have four of them. I like them, I like them raw actually. So, I'll save, I'll save them through the salsa. Although, maybe. Hmm. So but I like roast you said to me earlier, but you're not so familiar with it. This is your chance to be able. You have four. You have. This is your chance to be able to prepare it another way because you're already gonna have it raw. I have two. So I want to try. I'll have. I do like them raw, so I'll keep two for the raw salsa, and then since I want to include a bit of the charred-like element in the salad. I wanna. I definitely wanna char or roast the okra. I'll try roasting that 
two, the ciguri we asked. Um, and then the eggplant and the So they're, they're roasting now. Mm -hmm. Don't forget about your kamote. I wonder if I should roast these ones too. But see, you're going towards like just the same direction with everything. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, smells, think, oh, it's think, really soft. Is this already cooked? It's been blanched. Okay. Mm. Think outside of the box. <clears throat> like what have you never had kamote? You've you always have it roasted. Mm -hmm. So what other preparation have you never had it before? That's where we want to think. It'll be really nice to like kind of slice it because of the purple. I really like the color of it. So maybe that will be a nice kind of like thin slices or something to top the salad with. Boom. Let's do that. So then at this point, we're going to go ahead and start processing each tray at a time before we actually touch the fish. Okay. Um, Sounds like a So I think for the salad ingredients, we will start cutting it and then we'll put everything in here okay. and then your plan for the wing beans and the okra and is to be roasted yes okay. definitely want to roast those so i'll go ahead and roast these Thank this you. bowl is going to be for your vinaigrette dressing okay. yeah but you can go ahead and start processing this uh however whatever size and shape you want okay start with the So Ken asks me what Filipino dish I actually make quite a bit at home in Canada, and I said, as expected, I often make chicken adobo with coconut milk. We talk about stuff that we've read about the origins of adobo as an indigenous cooking method, and how it was given a Spanish name that most closely resembled what the colonists knew in their language. Ken pulls out The Governor General's Kitchen by Feliz Santa Maria from his little library on a shelf behind us. Okay, so this recipe, it's mm. in Spanish, oh, but it's saying equal parts water to vinegar, then you put onions with, with parsley, garlic, salt, and pepper. Okay. Parsley. So once upon a time, it grew here. And people actually included it in. <laughs> well, you know, capers actually grew here too because of the, Span the Spaniards. Mm -hmm. yep. um, but I think we're losing our biodiversity. For sure. Like biodiversity and is really. It's a little thick. Yeah. But it's like, it's not even like plant life that's lacking diversity. It's, it's everything. You know, we're just. But it's so sad. We're losing more and more. Um, plants mm -hmm. just because no one's utilizing them. I like this hard taste of this. I'm gonna put a little bit of this in the stuffing. Yeah, you know, because that was my thought at first. <laughs> but I'm trying to 
not to think so loud so that you don't you don't catch my thoughts and interrupt yours. so excited. I've spent the last hour um, prepping everything. We got some ingredients from the market this morning, uh, went out for a quick walk. Um, yeah, so I'm going to give you a quick rundown of what we have. Um, obviously, there are some rice, um, some red rice that they uh, serve here. Moving on to the salad, we had sweet potato leaves or kamote tops, some cucumbers, shallots, we also had some grilled okra, grilled cigarillas or winged beans, grilled eggplants in there because I wanted to have the really nice smoky elements and textures to the salad. Uh, thanks to Ken's prodding and suggestions for that. Um, on top of the salad as a garnish, we also have some purple sweet potatoes. Uh, very much looks like ube, but it's it's technically not. It is a sweet potato. It's just blanched, so it's got um, quite a bit of heft to it. Um, and beyond the purple sweet potatoes, there's also two other kinds of sweet potatoes that were a lot starchier. And we kind of decided to make it a crumbly topping. Um, because they were they were quite starchy, so when I was cutting into it earlier, it kind of just like fell apart. And so we decided to roast them, and that had um, added an incredible dimension in terms of texture uh, to it. So now we've got that sort of a mm, crunchy and crumbly on top. For the salad, uh, the dressing is also made of calamansi and some coconut vinegar. Now the coconut vinegar itself is flavored with lemongrass and ginger. Oh my god, it's so good. Uh, and the kicker is that we also added some extra virgin coconut oil. And let me tell you, this coconut oil is like the best thing I've ever had. Moving on to the fish, now we have sulig, which is the same kind of fish that I had last night. Um, grilled over open fire for about three to four minutes each side. Um, now we did make a stuffing for the fish that we sauteed beforehand. Um, again, using the same sort of market basket ingredients that we started off with. Um, so the stuffing in the fish has garlic, ginger, shallots, uh, sauteed, and a little bit of pork lard. Um, oh my god, honestly, I don't understand how such incredible aromas can come from something so simple, but when the quality is good, can't complain about that. We sauteed the stuffing with kong kong stems and kong kong leaves. Now that is something I would not have ever thought of doing. The flesh looks really tender and very milky. Oh my god, that tastes so good. Oh, okay, so beyond the fish, there is also a salsa that you see on the board. Salsa is made of chopped up cucumbers, tomatoes, a little bit of uh, calamansi as well in there. And because I'm kind of in love with cigarillas right now, 
we roasted them for the salad, but for the salsa, I kept it um, raw. And the flavor and the texture of the raw cigarillas is, it's not bitter, which is what I like about it. And I guess what surprised me quite a bit about that. It's just nice and crunchy and crisp. Um, so it, it keeps that freshness of the salsa intact. Um, also tossed in some of the young tender stems of the camote tops um, with you know, the idea that nothing ever goes to waste. And um, yeah, I'm ready to dig in. I'm gonna start with a little bit of the salad. Oh god, that dressing is delicious. See, honestly, if I could have this for lunch every day, I would have no problem switching over. It wouldn't even be an issue with switching over to a plant-based diet. Hmm. Okay, time to try the fish. It's crazy how much flavor the stuffing provides. Despite the fact that I think sauteing the stuffing really does make the flavors a lot more immediate. Because it doesn't have a whole lot of time to seep into the fish. Like we literally stuffed the fish right before it went on the grill. But you can definitely taste the aromatics that went into that. Mm. And the salad along with that, so good. Alright, well, I'm going to enjoy the rest of this and um, probably dream about this lunch for a little while until I come back here and get an opportunity to do it again. My warmest thanks to Ken Casenas, Kimberly Eng, and their lovely staff at El Paz Restaurant and Guest House in Tobias Fournier, Antique. Maraming maraming salamat. You can find El Paz on Facebook, Instagram, TripAdvisor, and their website, elpasph.com. If you've listened this far, I really hope I've convinced you to visit and seek out experiences like these in the Philippines, because... There is a growing number of them, and I honestly just urge you, if you're interested in visiting places for food and their food culture, there's so much of that to see in the Philippines. And especially if you're a Filipino person, you kind of owe it to yourself to explore that. And that's really what exploring Filipino kitchens is all about. Ken gave me so much food for thought during this visit. As someone who chooses to make the country that my parents worked so hard to leave, basically the place that I want to visit every time I save up for two weeks of vacation, it's rewarding in more ways than I can count, in more ways than I can describe right now, I think. Not just because your dollar goes a long way, but because as someone who has the opportunities and the financial resources to actually travel, I guess in my continued quest, let's call it, to understand more about what I can do as a person in the diaspora, 
if I'm the kind of person who's interested in traveling anyway for those kinds of meaningful connections and very personal experiences, when you're out traveling the world, like there's so much of that in the Philippines. And I just highly urge you to go because the understanding that you'll get of yourself as you walk away from it is something that's very hard to measure, at least for myself. And of course, thank you to my good friend, Antoine. I love that we're adulting and we're doing it right, I think. Our theme music for this episode is by David Sesti. The segment music is by Eric and McGill, Blue Dot Sessions, and Podington Bear. Visit exploringfilipinokitchens.com for past episodes, and I'd really love if you shared this episode with someone else who'd enjoy it. Like I said, recommendations are everything. Because even if a small percentage of all the people who visit Iloilo City made the short drive up to Antique, it would make a big difference, and you would have an experience to share with the world. Maraming salamat, and until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>